0: Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365 day returns.
2: Welcome to Wood Talk
1: for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who have great personalities. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. What's up, baby? It's Wood Talk number 199 for October 6th, 2014. On today's show, we're talking about finishes for kitchen cabinets, dealing with glue squeeze out, and should you get a really small hand plane? All that and more coming up, but first, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is sponsored by Bruso Hardware. How many hours did you invest in your last project? Why not finish it with hardware equal to your efforts? Brusso has been making high precision hardware here in the U.S. for over 20 years. The entire line is available in brass and stainless steel at brusso.com. As a special offer to Wood Talk listeners, use the code WOODTALK at checkout for 10% off. And by Arbortech. The new Arbortech Contour Random Sander is the ideal tool for all of your sanding jobs. It molds to the shape of your sculpted forms for effective sanding and features a powerful random sanding action. It doesn't burn or dig in at the edges and fits into any standard angle grinder. Check it out online at arbortechusa.com and by Festool. Some tools stand apart the most when they're working all together. Explore a full system designed to deliver more precise results at FestoolUSA.com and by Audible.com. The Wood Talk boys use Audible while working in the shop and so should you. Thanks to Audible for offering a free audiobook for Wood Talk listeners. Head to AudiblePodcast.com slash for your free audiobook today. Okay, that was that was a lot of sponsors, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna push forward here. Uh, a quick special thanks goes out to Dana Chapin. Chapin, oh, I'm so bad with last names, but thank you so much for your contribution. Uh, and you can contribute to the show as well at WoodTalkShow.com over in that left hand column. There's a couple links where you could sign up for a one time donation or a recurring donation, whatever flavor you like. And uh, we always appreciate that kind of support. So let's jump right into the good stuff. What's on the bench? I'll go first. I just finished painting the toy chest, the Woodworkers Fighting Cancer toy chest. I uh, did the whole milk paint thing. That was a little bit of a learning curve with that stuff uh, that, uh, you know, I read about it and, and got the information ahead of time. So nothing was too surprising, but it really, uh, you know, sort of lives up to its his history as being a very old material and just kind of, it smells like mud. <laughs> it just, <laughs> it's always a- something that you want around. Yeah, it's just it's a really interesting material to work with, but I had a lot of fun. I don't uh, typically paint my projects, but um, milk paint was interesting. Now I don't I don't know that I would say that in the future I would not just grab a can of latex paint with a, a matte sheen and use that instead. But uh, it, it was fun to play with, at least for this time around. I'm not sure if I'll jump back into that pool anytime soon. <laughs> Now, this was
2: – if I remember right, somebody had asked particularly which, which milk paint you were going with, and this is the one that you received from the milk paint company. Is that who you got it from? So this is the yes.
1: powder, and yes. you made it yourself? It is powder, and I mixed a few. That, I, I know you can get the um, – what is the snow white or some kind of white color? You can mix that together with whatever color you get and get all kinds of different shades and variations. So we did that, and we let Matteo pick out the color, and he, he loves orange. So he picked, uh, he picked pumpkin. And when you dilute it about fifty percent with the white, it kind of just—I don't know—it was like squash. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little too squashy. So we went back to full strength pumpkin, and the final color looks really good, especially when you get that top coat on there. It's just a water-based acrylic polyurethane I put on top, but even that darkens it up a little bit. Uh, Oil-based uh, finish would be even more so, but it looked pretty good. So overall, happy with it. It's it's definitely more of that rustic, old-school sort of look to it, and I think that's for the most part that's what we were going for, and the reason we used milk paint in the first place. So overall, nice. pretty happy with it. Nice. Cool. Yeah, good to how, hear that. I only like chocolate milk paint. Mm. That sounds good. Um, the other thing is we, because Woodworkers Fighting Cancer is coming up and it's not always easy for these bigger companies to just throw out money for things like that, this that they can certainly throw out equipment. Powermatic is putting up a drill press. Uh, one of their new drill presses, which I just actually got for myself. Really awesome flat table, great easy adjustments on it. It's a really nice unit. Um, they're putting one up for a charity auction. So we'll have this all set up over at the Wood Whisperer sometime soon. Nicole's working on it right now, actually. And the idea is you just bid on it and you'll probably pay more than it's worth, than it costs. (laughs) But the point is, it's all, like 100% of the proceeds are going to charity on behalf of Powermatics. So um, it's really, really a good opportunity to get a, a great drill press and make sure the money is going to a good cause
2: that's the most important part. I don't think people realize enough how much stuff like that really, really helps out. So even if it does put a little dent in your pocketbook, think about all the fantastic things that it's doing for everybody that that charity stands for.
1: Yeah, exactly. So looking forward to that. Uh, And uh, Woodworkers Fighting Cancer is going to kick into full gear next week. So I'll probably talk about it a little bit more on next week's show as we approach the release of the, the plans for the toy chest and all that good stuff. So more details to come. Shannon, what's going on in your shop? Well, one thing I got to
0: say, because I watched part of your live thingy last week, I think it was, uh-huh. and you actually did a little tour of mm-hmm. that Powermatic drill press. And it was one of those funny things, like when you haven't bought a car in more than a decade and you go <laughs> and buy one, you're like, wow, what's this Bluetooth standard now? You know, <laughs> yes. yeah, this is yeah. great. I mean, I haven't, <clears throat> I bought a benchtop Delta drill press, probably, you know, one, probably nine out of 10 garage woodworkers have this little Delta drill press because you can buy it at like Lowe's. And it was fine, but it had all kinds of little annoying quirks. And I was watching you do this tour and it's like, wow. So like they figured all that stuff out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not really bells and whistles. It's like needed design changes that didn't exist 10 years ago, the last time I I bought a drill press. Well, I
1: think drill presses have always suffered from this thing where they, they seem to cater to metal workers and they aren't really a woodworker's machine and the tables reflect that, really small tables with ways to connect things to it that don't really apply to your average wood shop, Uh, and this is one of the first and few drill presses that really is aimed at a woodworking audience. You've got a nice wide work surface that's flat. It's not any heavier than it needs to be. You've got room to put clamps on it. There's T-tracks, and the fence on it is actually worth a damn. I mean- Well, just the fact that the depth
0: stop you don't have to thread it down the rod <laughs> yeah that right. is the stupidest thing because it's it's designed to be a really really fine thread right yep. so you got to spin the sucker like 900 times to move in an inch yeah it's
1: a, it's a nightmare without that quick release and, and other brands do have that as well that's not just the Powermatic thing well, um, but, but they're, that's they're, one of those little things that's like oh
0: they finally fixed that huh yeah,
2: yeah so let me get this right you can turn the wheel without any issues is that what you're you're saying Shannon it's <laughs> yeah, kind of like that much. car analogy
1: <laughs> right <laughs> but yeah it, it's good I'm really happy with it and uh, you know you would think a drill press eh, how much different can it be but yeah there's a lot of differences in the newer models so if you're in a market, definitely take a look at that PowerMatic. Anyway, tangent. Tangent. Over. So I'm uh I was carving Lang
0: Lam's tongue transitions. I'm doing yeah. this uh this bed, this pencil post style bed. And I horribly screwed up one of them. Whoops. And oh. it was on the inside by the headboard, which frankly, when the mattress goes in, it'll be invisible. So I was like, okay, I dodged a bullet. But, you know, I can't just leave it this way. I need to clean it up. So my lamb's tongue has turned into, like, started to look like a coiled serpent of some sort. <laughs> and then I started thinking, why don't I do that? Like, why not throw a little Easter egg into the design? And that got me kind of looking around. I, anytime I have a really cool idea, I, I immediately realize someone else must have thought of this. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not smart enough to be the first person to think of this. Mm-hmm. So I started digging around, and there is a lot of cool stuff. I've actually... Uh, just started uh, creating a Pinterest board of little kind of design inspirations like that. There's all kinds of makers out there that, you know, just throw a carved lizard into one leg of a chair. You know, it's all totally asymmetrical. There's just little things dropped in here and there. And it's just got me thinking about like a personal challenge to myself to try to integrate some little Easter egg like that into every piece I build. Um, Now, the question is, when it comes down to hitting a deadline will I do that. But still it was, it was just kind of this, this happy accident. And one of those things, when you start digging, you start to realize that there's a lot of people who have already done this, you know, back hundreds and hundreds of years have already done it, but it's just one of those things that will definitely make my furniture, uh, one of a kind. So, there will be a little coiled serpent <laughs> on the inside uh, headboard uh, leg of, of this bed. But, well, um,
1: well, you know, the reality is Matt's been incorporating these little Easter eggs into his project for years, but the rest of us just call them gaps. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. I like to think of it as like my homage to the Grand Canyon. In That's several. what it is. Very purposeful <laughs> gaps. They're not gaps. They're speed holes. That's right. <laughs> Expansion joints. Yeah. I'm always one thinking of engineering. Perfect. Perfect. If, if they're good enough for bridges, they're good enough for beds.
1: <laughs> totally. All right. Well, Matt, uh, this is kind of big news. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we should have led with this one. Tell us about your, your new thing you've got going on because I'm pretty excited about it personally.
2: Oh, well, thank you. Uh, so over the weekend, uh, I announced it. I believe you helped me announce this, too. I didn't have a chance to check out the uh, live broadcast. That I did uh, all
1: that work for you, and you don't even go to watch it?
2: I know. I was what like, yeah, I got him to do stuff for me. That's <laughs> awesome. Sucker. <laughs> so I started a Patreon. I don't know if campaign's the right word for it. I am looking for patrons for Matt's Basement Workshop. So in a nutshell, if you're not familiar with Patreon, kind of think of it as along the lines of like, NPR pledging or Sally Fields pledging for for much needier people than myself. But more or less, you have an opportunity to come in. I have three established reward levels. So this means that somebody could donate like two dollars or five dollars or fifteen dollars. That's the reward levels that I I'm suggesting that you could come in at. But you can actually donate at any amount that you want. In fact, I have one amazing patron who uh, donated much higher than the highest level and for that individual I am so thankful and (laughs) the good news for me is they live far far away so I feel less like I need to run over there and like constantly grovel and thank them. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So but really what this comes down to is this is a promise from me that if you help to support me like any patron of the arts who over, over history you know we've had these amazing patrons who have come in and said I want you to, I want to commission you to do this. I want this type of thing to happen in our community. So I'm going to help kind of bankroll some of the things that you're doing until this gets up and running. That's kind of what Patreon is doing is it's saying, you know, Hey, I see value in what you're doing. And so I'm willing to donate every single month, this amount of money. And in return, uh, I, it's a promise for me, one to keep doing the show to thank you for being so generous. And then two uh, I'm giving out stuff like uh, bonus footage from each and every video, uh pretty much every patron, in fact, all the patrons so far are getting sneak peek previews of the uh the video in fact, anybody that 's seen my little talk here that 's the one I call the spoiler level because you 're getting access to the latest video a minimum of one to two days before it actually will be up there so you can you can brag about it now patrons right now who have already signed up uh they 're getting like a week ahead of time, so they 've had an opportunity to watch the amazing video we have coming up this Friday. It's going to blow your mind. Absolutely breathtaking. Explosions, robots, all that good stuff's involved in it. Not really, but just wanted to hype it a little. Uh, So they've had a chance to see that. Some of them had a chance to see the bonus footage that came out of it. And I'm also promising at the highest levels to do exclusive content that nobody else is going to see except for them. So it's really exciting, and it's also extremely nerve-wracking because it's like one of those... I hope you like me enough (laughs) because this will really tell me if people like me. And if not, then it's like, well,
1: okay. (laughs) Well, I think that the thing to to hammer home, a lot of people see something like this. They assume what it means is I'm charging for content now. And it's not that it's everything is pretty much going to remain the same. Some people will start to get some little bonuses here and there, but ultimately you're just saying, look, help me support and run this this free content generating thing. You're not taking anything away. You're not necessarily doing anything like a whole new show for other people. This is just a way to keep the doors open so that you can keep making great content. Um, that's exactly so it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's the PBS pledge drive. Basically. Yeah. It's the modern yeah. PayPal button. Like, you know, people used to have the donate like when well, we use the PayPal buttons for uh, for Wood Talk donations. Yep. Uh, it's basically that's Yeah, it's basically that. Only you get bonus stuff. It's, there's more to entice people I to, to. say, uh, what do you do mean it? by the modern day PayPal button? I still have one
2: of those. <laughs> <laughs> I have one of mine. I got
1: to go
0: over and remove that. You're right. And that's the big thing.
1: It's I better than were, a PayPal button.
0: There, there
2: were some questions at first, so like, oh, so you're going to start cutting the content back. It's going to be like a difference between the haves and have nots. And I'm like, if I did not get across in the video, so apparently I didn't get across to this individual, like you just said, Mark, nothing, nothing is changing with the free content, it's still coming out whether you like it or not, you're going to be getting that content (laughs) available. Is there a level that people
1: can pay to make
2: you stop? Actually, I do. It's a hidden level. If you want to contact me, <laughs> we can definitely. It's a million dollars. <laughs> we can negotiate. <exactly. laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes, I do have a certain level that I will walk away and it's the cease never and look back. Level, <laughs> I will. I will even like kind of throw my computers away if that's what what it will take. But yeah, so the, if you're if you're subscribed to the regular podcast, it's still coming out the way it is, and and of course, like I so said, there's all these different reward levels. Uh, just real quickly, one thing I do want to mention is the the first milestone I have, which is. Again, this is some confusion in there. The milestones are where I'm saying all the amount from all of the patrons that are supporting me. If that monthly amount from all of those patrons amounts to this given set goal amount, in this case, the first one is $500 a month, I'm going to bring back the Spoken Wood podcast because that is like one of the most requested things. I hate to hold that out there and be like, oh, you want this? Pay me. But part of my reasoning for doing this is, uh, number one, of course, to help get rid of advertising then, which there's nothing wrong with advertising. Some people are saying advertising is great, but uh, I know some people would would love to see it go away. But one of the big reasons I want to do this is because if at that amount I start getting that money coming in, I can actually start paying people for using their posts, because right now in the past, it's just been one of those, oh, by the way, if you happen to like this, go visit this person, which I'll still recommend that. But at the same time, I've always felt guilty because I'm using something that somebody else created, and I would love to be able to pay them for that. So it's not like there's something to be getting like a whole new career out of this, but it's an opportunity. So again, these are just some of the things. If people have any questions about this, please contact me. I'm more than happy to try and attempt to answer your questions, but... There's always the possibility. I'll be so excited that you emailed me that I'll completely screw it up.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, well just I think a, it, I think it needs to be said because Matt's not going to say it, but this is the first time that Matt has asked for anything, frankly.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, something,
0: can, that's something to be, you know, he's been giving us free stuff for eight years. Uh yeah. It'll be nine in January. Yeah, oh my right. God. Nine. Yeah. It's,
1: We're going to so, going on 10 years pretty soon here, buddy. It's, it's, I just a think it's
0: cool that something like this, like this exists, you know, mm-hmm. um, that, because you're right, we all have had that little donate button, but something that we can, milestones, and it's not a Kickstarter, it doesn't go away in 30 days or whatever. It's an ongoing thing, which yeah. I think is very cool. So.
2: Right, unless that one patron does hit that hidden uh, <laughs> uh, reward level. <laughs> right. In that case, it could go away. But yeah, th- yeah, thanks for pointing that out. It definitely, yeah, it's it's not something that's just hit and run and then it's gone. It's I'm planning on keeping this around and hopefully we'll have that bonus footage that's out there and people will absolutely love it and enjoy it and can't wait to uh, get another look at it
1: when you're in good company with this a lot of podcasts i listen to on the frog pants network and other tech podcasts a lot of people are using this to help fund their shows it's becoming a very popular thing so um, look around the website while you're there but definitely go to patreon.com slash matt's basement workshop and you'll be able to find all the details and good luck with that matt we hope you make a million dollars a month
2: yeah, absolutely. Why do you guys don't want me to come on anymore? Because remember, like, oh, that's like right. years away.
1: That's their <laughs> fancy reward level. Okay, uh, 100000 a month. How about that? Okay, in that case, yeah, <laughs> I'll bring donuts if there that's the situation. <laughs> All nice. right, let's, thanks, guys. Let's jump into uh, what's new. We got a few things to share here. Um, Marty wrote in, he said, Not sure if uh, you have seen this company on YouTube or their website yet. Uh, If not, it's worth the time to check it out and watch some cool videos and a husband and wife team making some very awesome furniture. Uh, I'm not going to bring up the link because the video's autoplay and it's going to be loud, but uh, is that the Doucette and Wolf team? That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. I believe we've highlighted some of their stuff before. We have amazing stuff and even just following them on Facebook, I see a lot of updates that they post and it's just really high-end work. No no real, like nothing fancy, no frills in terms of the production. It's just Good pure woodworking, you know, without a lot of BS around it. So uh, I love it personally. We'll put the embed for this and you can check out their channel.
2: Yeah, it's definitely very inspiring stuff. Well, hey, this next one came in from Wade, and Wade said he saw this on Slate this morning, whenever that was that he sent it to us. As a woodworker, just seeing what he's proposing means I make one myself. Not sure who's funding his Kickstarter. Must be folks with no tools at all. Also, I love the description of the mortise and tenon as an. Ancient joint. So if you head on over to this link, it's going to bring up a article over at Slate Magazine, and it's a mobile standing desk for laptop users on a budget. Now, what I really think is kind of neat about this is the, the packaging itself. This apparently was an uh, accidental happy or happy accident kind of a thing, mm-hmm. but the way that it gets all bundled up with the handle, it's three pieces that come together to create the stand. Uh, and when you receive the package, it looks like a little character out of some uh, 8-bit video game smiling back at you. <laughs> so that's what's kind of cool. neat, but it is kind of fun. Uh, uh, Left Green is the, uh, the name of the gentleman. It's called the Stand Stand. And the whole idea basically is that we hear so much about how sitting down all day is really unhealthy for you. And a lot of people are pushing for standing desks. Well, uh, Mr. Le- Leaf Green here said... Well, I'm going to go ahead and create one because I couldn't find anything I liked. And so he made a neat little stand stand out of Baltic birch. And it's it, it's pretty neat, but I have to agree uh, with Wade there. There's probably a very good chance that as I look at this, uh, you might notice one in the background at some point.
1: <laughs> hmm. Nice. Very cool. All right, next thing we have is sort of a bit of a news story. You may have seen this information on Twitter or Facebook, but a few of the authors over at Pop Woodworking have decided to jump ship. Uh, That would be Glenn Huey, Bob Lang, and Chuck Bender. And uh, there's been a lot of talk and speculation and very interesting happenings about this uh, around the web lately, so we thought we'd mention it as a news item. Um, This kind of came out... I think the first thing was a blog post by Megan on the Pop Woodworking blog just kind of saying that it happened. And it it, it isn't often that three authors from a magazine just say, we're out of here. So, of course, speculation went through the roof. Then people were talking about it all over the place. Um, And this, it's interesting. You know, I don't know that it's necessarily big news. It's big news in their lives and for the magazine, certainly. But in the big picture, I don't know how much time we want to spend on it. But um, what was interesting to me is to think about the impact of something like this what does this mean is this a bad sign for the magazine is this just a weird bump in the road uh, because of some disagreement that they had i mean do you guys have any initial and again i don't want to speculate on this i just want to talk about the impact of of how this is going to change the magazine
2: personally myself the way i look at it i think it is just another one of the the bumps in the bumps in the road and i'm not saying like a bump is in like a dead body in the middle of the road and oh my god what the hell just happened <laughs> What <did> we hit? <laughs> i mean more or less just one of those things change Things, things things, happen for all sorts of different reasons, be they personal, professional, whatever. Um, I, I hate the idea of some of the speculation that's going out there. You can definitely read between the lines here and there or or not if you choose to. Mm-hmm. Personally, myself, I think it's just another evolution of content out there right now. That's, that's that's the way I'm preferring to look at this. I'm trying to be very optimistic from both sides.
1: Well, when you have a situation like this, I mean, here are three of us. I mean, two of us have day jobs and all three of us now have a, a system where money is coming in based on what we're putting out there. So it, more so than ever is possible for a woodworker today to go out there and make money doing what they do in terms of producing content. So right. I think more so than ever, it is difficult for people like talented people like Len, Bob, and Chuck to just kind of march to the beat of someone else's drum when there are ample opportunities out there for them to actually go independent, I mean, to be honest, I'm surprised that those guys have been in the magazine circles for as long as they have. Right. Well,
2: we've seen each of them kind of go off and do their own thing. I mean, yeah, Chuck exactly. was very successful with you know the Acanthus Workshop, and, you know, and everything else. Or I shouldn't say was successful; he is successful with it.
1: And he had the um, online school for a while too, right? Yeah,
2: okay. exactly, and then and then Glenn for the longest time has has you know just fantastic when he was out there on his own even so and of course Bob Lang he's got you know a, a wonderful author he does some amazing stuff out there so uh, each and each of them has their own strength so yeah I've I've always kind of been like curious what it was that kind of kind of kept them in one spot they they just seem to me to be wandering kind of gentlemen and I, again I mean that in the nicest way because wandering can be taken the Wonder, wrong way
0: yeah the gentleman thing you might want to rethink. that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we have talked with all three of them, so gentlemen could be a loose term. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to speculate. Who knows? I all I will say is I wish them luck, but more importantly, just good luck to Megan because it seems like there, that's, there's been some ugly in this. Yeah, uh, that's actually the community, uh, and that really that's been terrible. Me, yeah, because Megan has been nothing but just awesome. Um, whether, whether you think she's a good word worker or not, she's running a magazine. She needs to be a a better writer and editor than woodworker, frankly. Um, but I don't know that, that just really bothered me. There was kind of a dark side of the community I saw come out for that. So if for nothing else, I just want to say, Megan, I have faith that you're going to do all right. And if you look at the magazine, the last, I don't know, more than a couple of issues, there's been new authors popping in. Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen a lot more from Wilbur Pan lately, Um, and it's been good. Um, Bob Rosieski was doing some good stuff there for a while. We've seen, unfortunately, those are the only names I can dredge out of my brain right now, but there's been more. (laughs) There have definitely been more authors showing up and doing things. And that is a model that has been embraced by hundreds and hundreds of magazines for a long time. You know, the freelance idea. You know, heck, Peter Parker was freelance.
1: That's true. And look yeah. how well he did. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, and the interesting thing about this at least it just gets me thinking about how these magazines differ. And one thing in my mind is there's always been a clear difference between Popular Woodworking and Fine Woodworking, two of my absolute favorite magazines. And it was so obvious to me that Pop Woodworking was more about the individual woodworkers producing content on their terms, their projects, their words, and their personalities. And that seemed to work in their favor when you've got someone as big as Chris Schwarz who almost, you know, I hate to say it, almost like becomes bigger than the magazine that got him to where he is. Right. You, know, you know, so then he departs. Obviously, he still has a presence in the magazine, but he's doing his own thing for the most part. Um, but you've got on the other side, find woodworking, and find woodworking seems to put everything through the Taunton filter. And uh, I said this, you know, before we recorded, and I don't mean this in a negative way. But if if three editors were were to leave, find woodworking, would anyone even know or talk about it? I right. mean, if they went on Twitter and said they were leaving, we'd know. But <laughs> right. would would anyone be jumping ship? Uh, on fine woodworking, would fine woodworking go downhill, or would they replace those people and try to find qualified uh, people to be in uh, to take their place, and then the magazine would just go on? So it feels like this is one of the dangers of having a, a model where the personality and the the there's so much personal interjection from each one of your editors in your magazine. This seems like one of the dangers uh, of of that sort of model taking place. Yeah, agreed. It- yeah. Okay. No. Okay, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I,
2: I was just going to say, like one thing I always think of is just uh, change is good. I mean, sure. it, the three of us—we've been podcasting for years, and I know all three of us at some point have have taken a complete different direction just to try something. And sometimes it we fell flat on our face, and other times, you know, something really go- good came out of it. Um, and that's that's what I'm kind of looking at both sides of this fence. Uh, I think the magazine, you know, this is now they have an opportunity or they are in the middle of going with their opportunity, what they want to do with the changes. And then now we've got the the three on the other side, uh, Glenn, Chuck and Bob. This is an opportunity for them to just run with what they want to do because they obviously feel very passionate about it. So, you know, awesome. Grab that passion and run with it. And I I just have to follow up with what Shannon said about some of the stuff that was being thrown out at Megan. Absolutely uh, unacceptable. It's just it was gross and disgusting. Um, I, I think it's just one of those things that we're better than that. And yeah, I, am yeah. just, I for one, am really excited, I think, is the, the right feeling for what's going to happen from this because I think sometimes out of the ashes, amazing things happen.
1: No doubt about it. And you know, the thing Very is, Megan, Megan is one of us, you know? And yes. I mean that in the sense of as a woodworker, a content producer, people like someone we admire in the world of woodworking, and she's done a fantastic job with the magazine. So don't, you know, the folks who are like, oh, I'm canceling my subscription. Settle the and, hell down, please. By the way, by the <laughs> yeah. way pretty damn good woodworker too yes you know i
0: mean have you seen the stuff that that cabinet she she just built yeah and she's built more projects than i know a lot of people online so yeah it's just that really bugged me and i think i don't know i'm kind of the eternal optimist and i think a lot of that is is born from what matt just said we've kind of been doing this a while you've seen a lot of stuff come and go and yet things kind of keep getting better so I refuse to be pessimistic about this. Totally. I re- refuse to think that it's going to be anything but good, you know, right. um, from a, from a personal perspective, the hand tool school was born out of me being laid off. So, right. you know, that was pretty traumatic, but man, I mean, now I work for a lumber company and, you know, I run this online thing and I've never been happier. So, yeah. you know,
1: it's, it's, it's all good. Well, I think our recommendation would be to go out, subscribe to Popular Woodworking, add another year to your subscription, see what they're going to do. This could be a very exciting, uh, interesting time and see what Megan can do with the magazine. Um, Ultimately, I'm curious to see what what may have been the reason for all of this. Maybe we'll see some shift in the way that they do things. There could be interesting things to come. Don't be so negative. Uh, And the other thing (laughs) is, on the other side, Glenn, Bob, and Chuck are doing something, and they're being real mysterious about it. And they're having apparently some sort of a, a revolution. They're going to be like killing people. I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> oh my gosh! Is there going to be a tea party? Are they in Boston right now? <laughs> they might be. It sounds either, scary. Stack up on my tea. Yeah, it sounds scary. It probably involves uh, pitchforks or something. <laughs> but it, they have what is it? Three hundred and sixty woodworking dot com is the right. the page where they're taking signups for. I guess, like a notification list if you want to know what these guys are up to. Uh, but they're being very weird about it.
2: I want to put this out there. The, the idea that I, I, I really liked everything that they were doing in the magazine, Glenn, Bob, and Chuck. So if they felt like they were being like harnessed or held back or whatever little thing was going on, I'm really excited to see what they're going to do now because I, I liked what they were doing before. So if they're now unleashed, if the revolution has started, uh, this ought to be exciting.
1: Viva la revolution! Right. See. Oh well, wait, no. We? Or I'm not sure which language okay. that was. Probably yeah. was just, no language.
0: I just want to see him go to Boston. One of them dressed as an Indian, a construction worker, and a biker. <laughs> well, maybe they could borrow uh, Adam Carabini's
2: uh, belt buckle shoes, and there we'll be we
1: all <laughs> There you go. Nice. All right. Well, I'm excited to see on both sides. I think there's an opportunity from some cool things to come out of this. Hopefully, we can minimize the amount of uh, venom that's being it, spewed around, and uh, we'll just see some good content. I just got my yeah. latest
2: issue of Pop and, uh, Pop Woodworking, and I, I was pretty excited to see it. It was a little bit thicker than I expected, and it looks pretty nice. So, yeah.
1: Bring it on! Yeah. Hey, speaking of magazines, did you see Daryl Peart on the cover of Fine Woodworking with his blanket chest? Oh, yes. yeah. That's always cool. Uh, that's hurting. a beautiful piece. Yes, for sure. You know, it,
2: I, I got to tell you this story. Thanks for bringing up, Daryl Peart. I, I was in a uh, pizza store here in Muskegon the other day, and I was picking up my pizza, and I no sooner uh, placed my order, and suddenly I heard this. <clears throat> excuse me are you uh, Matt the woodworker? And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. This is they my found opportunity. Me. they We yeah. <laughs> okay, get my pen ready. You're going to want an <laughs> autograph. Anyway, so the gentleman, I I, I I turned around and I met, we had emailed before, all this other stuff, but more importantly, he talked uh, for a moment. He had taken a class with Daryl Pert and he showed me one of the projects that he had done with him. He took a class up in Connecticut and he could not stop going on about how amazing Daryl Pert was as an instructor and just all these other things. So he is a huge Daryl Pert fan, but I kept trying to bring the conversation back around to me to because that's where it started. Why would we talk about Daryl? Did you said, were
1: him? you like, you know, i Do a podcast, right? Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. I'm like, you I'm also, the pod
2: You, you want to go, want to come see the basement workshop? I've got tools. stuff wait, that doesn't I've, sound right. I've got a
1: Patreon, <laughs> All right, I no. got
2: clamps and chains. <laughs>
1: <laughs> want to come ride with me in my van down to my basement? Right. You see my puppy. Okay, let's go into the poll wow. of the week. <laughs> oh, that's messy. Um, by our good buddy Tom Iavino at Tom'sWorkbench.com, and we didn't get a chance to get the poll up in time last week to tell you what it was, but uh, we've got plenty of responses to this one. Uh, it's Have you ever finished a weekend project within a weekend? That's great. I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know I if I it. ever have. Mm. Mm. Hmm. Define right. complete. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, if if you if you include finish, I know you're both out of it. Um, yeah, in that case. Nope. Never nope, have definitely not. Up. All right. Thirty six thirty six percent said I wanted to but never pulled it off. Twenty four percent said I have, but it was a struggle. Fifteen percent said easily, no problems. And another fifteen said no desire to build that fast. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, I can imagine a lot of people are just aren't in a rush. Why bother? You know, if it takes two weeks to do a weekend project, who cares? If you assemble IKEA furniture, does that count? That does. Okay, in that case, yeah, absolutely. I've got a bunch of those done then. (laughs) And speaking of Ikea furniture, this week's poll is a question about real woodworking. I say that with air quotes. And whether or not shortcut joinery uh, qualifies as real woodworking. And it's basically like, you know, dominoes, biscuits, pocket screws. Can you still call yourself a true woodworker if those are the the joints you routinely use? And and I just want to say as a disclaimer, we are not claiming any opinion in this. We are just saying, you know, let's raise the question and let other people battle it out. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: Bring it on. It's be like the uh, the death match.
0: In other words, trolling. Seriously. We're just going to throw a live grenade in there and walk away. See who this, jumps
1: on it. This is the Thunderdome of questions. <laughs> <laughs> that it is. All right. Uh, what's up next? No voicemails today. Uh, let's jump into our email. Oh, we have a little kickback, actually. Oh, do we? I skipped that. All right. I'll yeah. do, oh, you, you do the kickback. I put my name Can there. Do the but kickback? I'll let you do our- it.
2: All right, sweet. Well, actually, this came from a question that I attempted to answer last week, which I thought I did pretty good. But anyways, Randy TK says that regarding episode 198, air like water, electricity and heat follows the path of least resistance. So does Matt when it comes to anything that is like dessert. (laughs) If you put a 30 micron bag on one side and a one micron bag on the other, most of the air will go out the 30 micron bag, at least until it clogs to about the equivalent of a one micron. But every time you empty it, you'll lose the filtration again. If you want one micron filtration, don't put a thirty micron bag anywhere in the system. Randy, thanks for that kickback. Uh, I'm gonna politely, sort of, kind of, kind, kind of disagree. Uh-oh. I think you, you could, you could potentially have that thirty micron bag say on the bottom. But this is my thinking, so help me out with this if if, I, if I'm completely wrong on this. But when I have that bottom bag. Uh, Even after I empty it, there's still a healthy layer of dust caked in that bag. And so uh, I I feel very confident that even after I empty it, it's still not quite as bad as what Randy may be alluding to here. I get where he's thinking, though. I mean, definitely uh, the whole resistance thing. Like I said, I, Mm. I, I take the path of resistance once in a while. But typically that bottom bag is usually so caked in there. Um, that it's it's almost a non-issue as far as I'm concerned. Now, I'm sure there'll be plenty of other resources out there that will point me wrong, but that's that, that's my opinion. Mm. Well,
1: you, had, you had me at cake.
0: Yes. Mm. Delicious <laughs> cake.
1: We're going to take a quick break for a moment to talk about one of our sponsors, Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. Uh, Audiobooks are really the perfect companion for long days in the shop. So for Wood Talk listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook. Just give them a chance and try out their service. Uh, One audiobook you may consider is what I'm reading right now. It's part of the Live Ship Traders trilogy by Robin Hobb. It's called Ship of Magic, the first in that trilogy. This is not new, uh, but it's new to me. I'm just getting around to catching some of these older titles. And uh, I love Pirate Tales, a swashbuckling tale. (laughs) It's always great with a little bit of fantasy. Uh, The ships come to life. It's pretty darn cool. So uh, that's my recommendation to download this audiobook for free or another one of your choice go to audiblepodcast.com slash woodtalk that's audiblepodcast.com wood woodtalk. all right let's move into our emails and first one here is from Matt not this Matt another Matt at least I think Matt or well, maybe are you, are you, are you, are you well, yeah, finishing your question are you finishing your kitchen cabinets right now? Um, it might be after I hear this answer. <laughs> okay. Uh, Matt asks or says, we are in the finishing stages of building our home. The trim is quarter sawn white oak with one coat of 50% boiled linseed oil and thinner followed by gel stain topped with three coats of armor seal sprayed and sanding between coats with 600 grit. We're now moving on to the cabinets. I've been happy with the armor seal so far but the 24 hour dry time between coats limits the amount of material that I can finish in a week. I'm considering lacquer. I have a large compressor and an HVLP gun What are the pros, cons of lacquer versus armor seal? I wear a respirator with the activated charcoal filter and spray with the doors and windows open. Are there any special precautions uh, with lacquer? How many coats would be necessary for kitchen cabinets? Uh, Is one product easier to finish, I'm sorry, refinish than the other? More durable? Please help. After all of the time and effort building the cabinets, I don't want to make the wrong choice and botch the finish. Okay, so first things first, if you're matching up your trim to your cabinets, my recommendation when possible is to do everything you can to use the same finish. If you don't, you always run the risk of things not matching up and looking right. So since you are saying there's a lot riding on this mat, you should probably try to do the same exact thing that you did for the trim and you will you can at least be confident in what the results are going to be. Everything else is going to be a little bit of an experiment. Uh, now you certainly can use lacquer, but before I get to that, the Uh, You mentioned something in the beginning just as a point of reference and information. Uh, You used a diluted boiled linseed oil before a gel stain and then before poly. Um, That's kind of a waste of time. There's really just no reason to put oil on the surface if you're going to hit it with a stain and then hit it with poly. In fact, that's actually just going to make things take a lot longer to dry. And if you're putting a stain and then a clear coat on top of it, um, I would do some samples so you can try to prove me wrong, but you probably will not see a difference between the ones done with linseed oil first and the ones without. Um, so there's certainly one way you could save time uh, and it will um, you, you could potentially have more drying problems because of that first coat of oil than if you leave it out. So I'd recommend leave that out. Things might just go a little bit better. Uh, Armor seal should not really require 24 hours to dry between coats I would say 12 at the most, and if it's you know warm mostly and, and fairly dry and it is an indoor environment, maybe eight hours. So you really should be able to get two coats a day on that, and if it isn't drying within that time and it's still tacky, maybe it's still tacky after 24 hours, uh, you may still have issues with the, the that started with that oil coat that have now sort of been exacerbated by the layering of other oil-based finishes on top of it. Uh, so really, you should be able to get two in a day. Uh, pros and cons of lacquer versus armor seal. Now, I mean, based on this, I don't even know. If you take my advice, you probably won't be going for lacquer anyway, but we'll just go through it. Uh, pros and cons of lacquer versus armor seal. Well, the lacquer can certainly be sprayed, dries faster, uh, but it does require some special special precautions. I honestly, I would not spray that indoors, even with ventilation, Because the overspray from that stuff is nasty, goes all over the place. Uh, You would really have to mask a lot and put up like, you know, plastic, painter's plastic all over the place to create a spray booth. And then you would probably want some active uh, air movement to be able to get fresh air in and nasty air out. So to me, that just sounds like a heck of a lot of work for an indoor project I would rather and a, see you. And a
0: hotel reservation for about three, four days.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be around those fumes. Um, it just, to me, sounds scary and not like a fun thing to deal with. Um, but, you know, the other thing is the lacquer might not be as durable. If you just go with like a regular nitrocellulose lacquer, you probably want to look into a catalyzed product if you want to have the the strength that kitchen cabinets usually require. Um, now, is one easier to refinish than another? Lacquer generally is going to be easier to refinish. You can give a little spot sanding and reapply it. If it's a catalyzed product, that may get a little bit complicated. But um, you know, generally speaking, lacquers are easier to re- to to fix than your you know uh, wiping varnishes or any oil based varnish. The thing is, though, how often are you going to have to refinish your cabinets? Um, you know, any cabinets that I've ever had in my house, unless something specifically really just out of the ordinary happens. Most cabinet doors are kind of up and out of the way. Now the, the lower ones certainly might get a little bit more beat up, but uh, white oak is pretty tough stuff and I think any finish you put on there is going to last for quite a while. Um, so even if you do have the armor seal on there, I don't know that you're going to be refinishing them anytime soon. You know, So as long as you don't put a bunch of waxy product on there after the fact, you could still uh, give the, the armor seal a light sanding and recoat it if you want to freshen them up in, in 10 years or something like that. Uh, But again, I would say stick with the armor seal. I probably wouldn't go with lacquer on this. You'll probably just be much happier getting the same finish on uh, your cabinets that you put on the trim.
0: It's going to be real hard to get the same look. I mean, I know you said that initially, but lacquer is pure film finish and you're Mm -hmm. talking about a very porous wood, you know, white oak is white oak because it soaks stuff up. You know, that's why it looks really nice and really warm and everything because it's so porous. You use lacquer. I mean, armor seal, sure, it's got varnish in it, but there's it's a mix. So it's penetrating, and it's giving that warmth and that depth of finish into the white oak. Whereas you just take white oak and spray it with lacquer, and and I know of what I speak, I've done this, it does not look the same. Yeah, it, it definitely may. has a different look to it. Yeah, and just to me, to it, it looks more plasticky.
1: But just to clarify, Armour Seal is just varnish. It's just diluted varnish. There's no oil in there at all. But because it is an oil-based finish, you tend to get that, uh, you've got that long soak in time and the fibers do have that sort of iridescence and a deeper glow as opposed to a quick-drying lacquer film just on the surface. So there is definitely a difference, but it is, it is a, a varnish. Hey, I learned something new. There I you. thought they had an oil varnish product. Is they, that- well, they call it oil and urethane top coat. Oh, marketers. But that's BS. It. It's, All I mean, right. yeah. So if it, it wouldn't dry uh, within that eight-hour window if it actually did have oil in it. Yeah, good point. So, Oh,
2: well, I'm glad I sent that email in now. Now I know not to do that. <laughs> you know, we were talking about the, uh, the whole thing with the lacquer and maybe wanted to leave uh, for a couple of days. I totally saw the scene from Joe Dirt where he decides to stay the night in a house that's being bug-bombed. That just for some reason <laughs> – that nice. one just popped right in my head. Well, hey, I've got a question here from Mark. Oh, that is weird. That is. Yeah, totally. But this is Mark with a K, so I know it's not you unless you're really trying to hide yourself.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> trying to mask it. <laughs> yeah. You'll never so, know. So Mark
2: says, I've seen several techniques online for avoiding the, the glue-up mess. Wiping with wet cloth right away, waiting until the glue is semi-hard. <laughs> Laugh out loud. Mark, you dirty. And then <laughs> scraping it off or taking joints so the glue oozes onto the tape. Instead of the wood, now, the first two techniques leave behind glue, so i 'm not sure if i 'm not doing it well or that 's just to be expected. The tape works, but it 's slow and tedious i 'm not getting too much glue coming out, but there should be some right, so you know there's enough glue in the joint. any wisdom you can pass along for avoiding glue squeeze out and the problems associated with it okay so uh, let 's let 's do this first let 's talk about the you should have glue squeeze up because that's how you know that you have enough glue. Uh, actually, oh, oh my gosh, gonna do a little plug here. I feel horrible about doing this, but I'm, I'm going to do it anyways. This is one of my bonus footage, the very first <laughs> bonus footage I have. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Patreon.com slash Matt's Basement Workshop. It, there you go. If you sign up for the $5 <laughs>
2: or higher, you can see some of this bonus footage where I actually almost kind of comment about this. So, okay, uh- I do.
0: <laughs> you, you, so, anyway, I uh, almost kind of comment on it. So okay? yeah, it and, and
2: I do even kind of reference this que- question uh, rather thinly veiled. Uh, but, anyways, though, when it comes to that, the glue, like how much glue do you have to put on there? There are definitely uh, all sorts of schools of thought on this one. Personally, myself, I like to put just enough that, sure, maybe there's some glue squeeze out, but oftentimes I feel comfortable when I don't see it. I'm, I'm confident when I put enough glue on the edges and I go through and I smear it. I usually smear it with my finger and it looks like a nice freshly coated surface. Uh, there's glue all over the place on it, but it's not like super, super thick. I'm confident that's more than enough glue on there. So I know a lot of people worry about uh, starvation of the joint and everything. I've never really had too many issues with it. How about you guys on this one? Do you, do you put a excess glue so that there is squeeze out all over the
1: place or are you satisfied if maybe there's just like a eh, little pinch that comes up i put the right amount of glue and then i see squeeze out i don't put like i don't really say like i'm going to put enough on here just so that i so i intentionally see squeeze out you just kind of over time get an idea of what the right amount to coat each surface is and and glue out or um, squeeze out becomes inevitable because you've You've got at least a decent thin layer on both surfaces. Um, I think if you if you go into it with the the perspective that I'm I want to make sure I get squeeze out, you're probably going to put too much on there. Um, so yeah. you don't really need to see a lot. But you know, as you're learning what the right amount of glue is, yes, look for a little bit of squeeze out, and then do that again right. the next time you glue up. It's a lot it, like it that bandsaw
2: bottom that bandsaw box video that we saw, Mark, where he, like, uh, apparently was sponsored by a glue manufacturer <laughs> and basically <laughs> dipped it in there. Right. <laughs> Shannon, you were going to say something.
0: Well, it's funny. And I'm glad Mark said that because it's, it's one of those things you just kind of – I don't know. I put it on until it looks right. And for me, it's like when you – you know because you'll, you'll paint it onto a joint using a brush or whatever. And depending on what glue I'm using, I've come to recognize, like, the level of opacity – that I create, Mm -hmm. right. You know, if, if it is completely opaque, you know, all I see is glue and I can't see the wood through it. Mm -hmm. There's too much glue there. Yep. You know, so I'm brushing it out so that I can actually see the wood through it. And it just gets to a point where I go, yep, that looks right. And I assemble it and yeah, there may be a little bit of uh, squeeze out, but you know, like a lot of my mortise and tendon joints, I don't get any squeeze out because the glue's on the tenon cheek and I don't really put it on the shoulder. So there is no squeeze out. But if I'm doing like a panel glue up, yeah, there's squeeze out. You know, it just depends on what I'm putting together. And if you really want to avoid all that problem, just use hide glue. It's okay. Visible so
2: finishes. So maybe a little bit what you're describing there, like uh, you don't want it super opaque. Maybe like like a, a nice veil, like a, a really good veil dance, like enough that she's yes, covered.
0: I like that. I like that. Okay. But at
2: the same time, you know what's going on down there. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Now, let's move on to the uh, removing the the glue mess itself. Now, I have experimented previously with the whole thing like Norm used to do on the the good old days of New Yankee Workshop where it was like a nice wet sponge and you just came down the line and you wiped it off. And and if you did a good job, you got all of it up. Now, the problem I always had with this is I always seem to come back with that now messy sponge and just keep smearing it into the wood itself so again if you have like a really porous wood it's definitely going to get in there and then when i put my nice beautiful finish on i'm like why is this area kind of blotchy i don't understand uh what my preferred method is now and i'm very very happy with it is letting the glue start to harden uh typically i like to come in while it's still slightly pliable but yet it's not soaking wet and then come in with a scraper and remove it that way but i am not above just simply letting it harden and then come in with a semi-sharp scraper and removing it that way, depending on what wood species it is. Sometimes um, I've actually had it where the glue is so hard and my scraper isn't very sharp that it rips chunks of the wood out. Hmm. That typically tells me I had too much glue on there in the first place, that it was that deep. But that is what I like to do right now is to wait for it to semi-harden, come in, and then remove it. Before it hardens all the way, that's my preferred method. um yeah, there's all sorts of different ones that I think Mark had mentioned here, but uh like the whole thing with the tape ideally, that's a really great one because you can kind of stop it, but i I've done that before, and I don't know if I did put didn't put the tape down uh um flush enough or something, but I've actually had to go underneath it, and then I ran into the issue anyways, so I prefer saving myself the time of taping everything off and just you yeah, get it while it's semi soft, okay. oh God.
1: I'll just let that hang
2: out there for a little bit. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, I was in my brain, I'm like, word, look for the right word, look for the right nope, there's nothing.
1: Cool. All right. Shannon. All right.
0: This comes from Brandon. He's currently in the market for a block plane, and I'm writing to ask to see it to ask if you see much overlap between your block plane and smoothing plane. I'm considering going with something smaller than the standard block plane, like the Veritas apron plane, to prevent as much overlap as possible. I have seemed to have gotten by with my number four quite well up till now. And I'm mostly just looking for a plane that is comfortable for single handed use. And I'm really glad he said that last part because it, it there, you know, I don't see any overlap between my block planes, plural, and my smoothing planes, plural, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a bit of a plane problem, but they're, they're apples and oranges to me. And, you know, I'm using my block planes very differently. I'm also using them a lot more kind of in the joinery-ish phase, which is why I generally say the rabbiting block plane is usually like the go-to plane. However, when it comes to that really small plane that's really comfortable for single-handed use, I have one of those. And it's the, um, squirrel tail plane that Lee Nielsen makes. Veritas has one as well. And, um, the similar would be the apron plane. It doesn't have that really cool raised squirrel tail on it, but it is incredibly comfortable to use with one hand. And it is right up front in my tool cabinet because I use it all the time for like breaking edges, cleaning up little bits here and there. It's real small that you can get into inside corners and things like that. So I do think you're on the right track. If that's what you're looking for is that one-handed kind of touch-up type plane, then you do want to go small. And I would say the apron plane, but I urge you to look at those squirrel tails as well. Um, I, like I said, I know Lee Nielsen makes one because I have one, and I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it's a Veritas or if it's a Lee Valley. Uh, in other words, you know, the difference between Veritas and Lee Valley, I don't remember. I know one uh, of them. One's Canadian, the other one's American? Or yes. US. Sure. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we all live in America. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. But yes, it's, it's another one to look into. Um, again, Lee Nielsen makes an apron plane too. They're pretty cool planes. Now, if you are looking for a block plane to do, you know, just because you want a smaller version of a smoother then going all the way down to the apron plane may not be the right choice. So just going off what he said, looking for a one-handed plane, I would go with the apron or the squirrel tail.
1: Cool. Cool. Sounds good to me.
2: With my tiny hands, uh, even those are still two-handed planes.
1: (laughs) That's terrible, Matt. You should go to a doctor for that. I should. should.
2: Maybe a knife growth hormone or something. Or
1: hand enlargement surgery. Do they do that?
2: Uh, Maybe I should just get custom-made planes.
1: (laughs) Scott Meek, are you listening? (laughs) There you go. All right, well, if you want to support the show and help keep us going, you can do that. You could sign up for a recurring donation or a one-time donation over at woodtalkshow.com. Links are over in the left-hand side. You could also get a Wood Talk t-shirt at twwstore.com and you could leave us a iTunes review. Just go to the iTunes store, click on find our show first, then click on ratings and reviews and click that five-star rating, just like Cubicle Monkey did. He says, great podcast, or could be a she. After a year ago, I came uh, across Mark's site while researching some stuff for honeydew projects that naturally led to the discovery of this podcast. Since then, Mark, Matt, and Shannon inspired me to progress and learn more about woodworking and help me evolve my woodworking skills and grow my confidence. Thank you. And thank you, Cubicle Monkey. I'm going to click the little button that says, was this review helpful? Yes, it was. Yeah, I think I will too. That was an amazing one. Thank you. We appreciate that. We're going to review the review. That's awesome. <laughs> that, was a, that was a five-star review of Five our review. Five stars, cubicle monkey. Well done. Nice. All right. Well,
2: Matt, how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. All right. Hey, folks, do you have a comment, a question, or a topic suggestion? You have several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180 because I think that poll we have going on, the thunderdome of all poll questions that we've had would make some really interesting kickback potentially you can even email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or you can leave us a comment on our woodtalk facebook page and if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes you will find those over at woodtalkshow.com
1: yeah baby and you know what next show number 200 Oh my Lord. Yeah, and I we've talked about it. I think what we've decided, and we had a few suggestions from folks with uh, things that we might be able to do for the show. But ultimately, we wanna we wanna pay most homage. Of them, most ahead. of
0: them would take a lot of work, though, and we're just lazy.
1: We are lazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we- it, well, the, yeah, and this is you know to to me the show's always been about the community, and it's been about the, the the involvement and things going on in the woodworking world. So I think what we're probably gonna do is just run through our mailbag. Um, fast and furious and there's going to be a lot of like body parts flown all over the place it's going to be a veritable woodworking revolution it's going to be ugly <laughs> <laughs>
2: what do you ah, nice Ugh. nice I like what you did originally I thought we were going to have the kids come on so there was going to be Mateo talking with Madison and Aiden and Alex and then wasn't there a bird that you had for a while there Shannon I thought all of them could get together and just have a complete we don't speak uh, of that <laughs> what a, what an what a interesting conversation that would be yeah <laughs> that would be the uh, childhood menagerie
1: yeah so it's going to basically be all about your questions and if there's anything else special we can do between now and then uh, and if you have other suggestions we still have some time so uh, send that over to us but uh, unless we don't hear from you it's really just going to be you know about woodworking because that's kind of what we're here for yeah. yeah, so make sure you keep
0: sending questions so that for episode 201, we have something to talk about. I
1: don't know. Oh, I don't think gosh. we're going to get through all of those, man. There's a there's a lot in the scrap pile right now.
0: Yeah, if we went through all of those, there's a good chance
2: we'd
1: lose our voice. So 201 yeah. would be like, and then we're going to have so-and-so. Come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. See Bye. ya. This podcast is part of the Frog Pen Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit FrogPants.com. Audio programs so good, it's like you're there!
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff. Shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods. All at 50-80% to less than other high-end brands. And the best part?